Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 114 of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is Mike here, and I recently had the opportunity to speak on the Business of Podcasting panel at Startup Week Columbus. And if there's one thing I noticed, it's that a lot of people out there are interested in starting their own podcast, but aren't sure where to start. So we've decided to put together a podcast startup package with everything we've learned about building and growing a podcast to help you get there. You can pre-register for the Conquering Columbus podcast startup package now by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that interview, though, I want to ask you all for a quick favor. If you haven't already, pick up your phone and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It really helps support our show and it'll make sure you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. We also want to take a moment to thank some of our supporters. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. Our next sponsor you might be slightly familiar with. You may recall a previous Conquering Columbus episode we did, episode number 26. We interviewed Stuart Crane, who bootstrapped his healthware software business to an eventual $43 million exit in 2013. Well, he's back at it with a new startup called Voice Metrics, based here in Columbus, Ohio. Stuart's new company got going last fall, and they've landed a number of customers, including Crosschecks, which is one of Columbus's high flying VC backed companies. Voice Metrics is a voice application available for Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri that allows businesses to get their KPIs, metrics, and any business information just by asking. To give you an example of how this works, here's what it sounds like. Open voice metrics. Good morning, Robert. Our sales yesterday was $17,500, and we had 24 new signups. Website traffic is up 13%, and we are 82% to our monthly revenue goal. Have a great day. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more and check out a free trial at gofmx.com. Mike here again. Do you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus? We are looking for some new supporters to help keep the show going in 2018. To inquire about how you can help support the podcast, please send an email to mike at conqueringcolumbus.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. 
This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we have Brooke Sousa. And Brooke claimed the title of World's Strongest Woman two weeks ago, competing against 21 other professionals in six different events. And even more incredibly, Brooke has only been training for strong women competitions for four years, and she's a mom to two daughters. And we're really excited to have her here on the show today. Welcome to Conquering yeah. Columbus, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I mean, two weeks ago, you know, four years into it, you win your first competition, you got to be feeling pretty good, right? Uh, right on track with the goals that I set uh, when I first got started. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not as surprised. expected. Right, I'm not surprised <laughs> someone like you sets goals. You know, I think yeah. it's an important part of any sort of long process achievement. But uh, kind of where we like to start is kind of take a step back mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about how you got into weight training and kind of what your experience was like that led you to this path. All right. So first started in like 2012 after my youngest daughter. Well, I guess she turned one in 2011, but I was just kind of like, all right, enough excuses and time to like set some goals and not be a slob. So um, lost 115 pounds in 2012. And 2013, I was told I would pound the ground if I ever ran. So I went ahead and did one of each race uh, that year and finished with a marathon, the Columbus Marathon in that October. After completing that, I was just kind of like, okay, well, where do I go now? And I knew I wasn't going to do an ultra marathon. <laughs> it was bad enough doing the 26 miles. So someone introduced me to um, Strongman, uh, my coworker at the time. So I had three weeks to start training for that and won my first competition and kind of went from there. Like, all right, well, next goal. Like, I'd like to be a pro strong woman, you know, within two years of my time competing. And there wasn't even a class for that yet. Um, but I actually got my pro card right on the two year anniversary. And then I knew it'd take time to become the strongest woman in the world, but um, it's still like a dream and vision that you can only see, and people are probably like, yeah, you just keep on talking about that. Maybe you'll one day reach it, or maybe you should just give up, you know? But um, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So, and everything that I dreamt, you know, four years ago is obviously right in line with where I wanted it to be. What did your childhood look like growing up? Did you play a lot of sports, um, siblings, <laughs> parents? Yeah. Did not do any sports. I like to say that I was just a fat kid growing up, you know, like we weren't very athletic, or not athletic at all for that matter. I thought I'd be famous for my artwork one day. So I got into art at nine years old and had a full ride to CCAD here in Columbus and uh, just passed that off to be a mom. So born and raised here in Columbus, Ohio. That's right. So it's funny because, you know, you say, you know, you didn't have much talent or, or you didn't have much drive maybe to grow up, but it seems like you had to have some, a little bit of talent. I right? had a lot of drive and talent. I just never in the sports part of it. Huh. So um, anytime there was a fundraiser at school and like I wanted that nine inch black and white TV so bad and I'd go and sell all the candy because I mean, we didn't have family members that would buy from us. So I actually had to work towards those mm-hmm. uh, sales and didn't matter what I had to do to get it. I was like, you know, climbing steep hills in the snow, like, and my dad just trucking along with me, helping me, and uh, but I won it. Like mm-hmm. if I won the Game Boy the next year, I went after that. And <laughs> so the determination and goal setting has always been huge in our family growing up. So my parents just raised us like, okay, you dream build and you go after it. Yeah, I, I love that. Do you write your goals down? Um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, like right now, I will just like write one main focus on a whiteboard or chalkboard in my kitchen. 
And it may not make sense to anybody else, but I know exactly what it means, and I look at it daily. And like for Strongest Woman in the World, I was like, now's my time. And I wrote it on the board six months prior to even going. And so it's just one of those things that like, a lot of times your own handwriting will, and your goal um, has a lot to where you'll actually put yourself. And you mentioned a little bit about you know your parents instilling that driving you. What did they do for a living? And then um, what did your what do your siblings do now? Or what did they do you know when you were growing up? Did they play sports or no, not at all either? No one in the family played no sports. No one at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. My mom and dad uh, own their own business, so they're pretty determined. And uh, but like my mom started her own home bakery at 50 years old, so it was kind of just like they had a side business growing up, and we always watched them like hustle with Amway and. Uh, that side of the business. Um, so I always tell their business plan, their goals, and trying to, you know, dream build in other people. So um, my oldest brother is down in Texas, air traffic controller, so made it big there and his studying and uh, going after his dream. And then I have a younger brother here who's a personal trainer as well and younger sister who I think is getting into physical therapy. Yeah. So we all want to obviously help people and I think you have a passion and the four of us together have lost over like 500 pounds. So that's that's pretty incredible. And mm -hmm. you yourself lost 100, like 112 pounds, right? In 2012, yeah. Before yeah. you ran that marathon. Yep. Jeez Louise, that's incredible. That's <laughs> so I'm at like lightest weight. The lady's like, you'd pound the ground, and I'm like, all right, well, fine. You only did a half marathon. I'll go ahead and run the full. <laughs> so. And what was your weight then compared to what it is now? That See, I, the, I, the lowest I got down to was 215. So and now I hang out at about 275. Okay. Is that a pretty comfortable training weight for you, like, yeah. to meet your goals? Um, the past eight months, it's pretty comfortable for, like, off-season, and then I jump my weight right before I compete, like, the week before, mm -hmm. just to fill the muscles up and have a little more energy. Yep. So yeah. someone approaches you, like you said, to, after the marathon, to pursue being the world's strongest, like, woman or the strongman competitions mm -hmm. or strong woman competitions for um, better terminology. What kind of goes through your mind at that point? You just ran a marathon, like you weren't athletic growing up, and then you realized, like, I could accomplish this, and then it's like a complete 180 pivot. So, like, from yeah, being true. as small <laughs> as I possibly can and how long can I run to really short bursts of energy and how strong can I get? So, what is that? I never that thought like? about it that way, but I figured, okay, well, until all the weight is lifted in the gym, then my goal is never ending. So, um, I was all like, sure, like, I know, like how much weight can, and I have outgrown a lot of the smaller gyms where it's just like, all right, you guys don't have what I need. So I've obviously found places here in Columbus to keep on pushing myself further. But, um, I don't know. It was just kind of like, all right, I like this idea that I can constantly have a goal to get stronger. What did the early days of that journey look like? The first, so maybe like, do you remember God the first awful. couple of times you walked in the gym? Oh, <laughs> uh, I had three weeks to train for my first competition. So you go from like lifting 12, 15 pound dumbbells in group fitness classes to I had to press 70 pounds with one hand at the first competition. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my shoulders are so weak. And that's all you think is shoulders for a press at the time. And now obviously I think a lot differently, but uh, the deadlift was I think 225 pounds for reps or 255, something like that. So I was just like, all right, got a long ways to go. But I thought, all right, if I can make it to Arnold my first year, like, that'd be so cool. And I ended up doing that. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I just didn't think about the how or how hard it would be as much as I knew I wanted to, where I wanted to go. Yeah, and, we, you know, I think in Columbus we have kind of a, a good atmosphere for strong men, strong women competitions and bodybuilding and just 
fitness in general with Arnold being so close, mm-hmm. things like that, that that kind of helped push it early on? So it took me about like near two years. So right after I got my pro card, I had gone overseas and competed at um, World Strongest Woman. So there's two different federations and politically correctness crap behind the scenes there where yes, World Strongest Woman was not the one that I just placed at, it was Strongest Woman in the World, but I was at World Strongest Woman in 2016 and I realized, wow, I have everything that I possibly need here in Columbus to get myself better and to get myself to being Strongest Woman in the World. So I came back that September and I started researching different coaches here in town um, that have made it big themselves in powerlifting. And that's the route I went to find uh, Matt Winning at Ludus Magnus here downtown. And did you just reach out to Matt like, hey, I'm trying trying to do this thing? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, hey, I got 16 weeks to train for my first year to go on Arnold. And my first time being at Arnold as an amateur and I zeroed, like, which means I didn't get any reps on all the events. I was so undertrained and injured at the time with my SI joint, and which is back. So I was like going to him. I'm like, I got 16 weeks and I got the pro strong woman. I you know, need to get stronger and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, man, I sounded like an idiot thinking I could get strong in 16 weeks because it takes a long time. And But I realized with him not having injuries himself and knowing all my weaknesses, he could make me stronger from the foundation up to compete and obviously get to where I am now. How did the training change when you started working with him? (laughs) So it went from like six days a week, twice a day, deadlifting every single day, like central nervous system completely like shut down by how much I was being overtrained. But the thought process with my first coach was, okay, well, if you suck at deadlift and overhead press, then we must do those two things every single day one rep max every single day. So when I got back from uh, World's Strongest Woman, like I said, I like realized, okay, this guy does not know how to train me. And so when I met Matt, he's like, nope, you're only training four days a week and up to an hour, hour and a half each time. And I'm like, but I've been putting in like 30 hours a week into training and now you're taking me down to what, not even eight hours? And I ended up getting stronger because mm-hmm. I was so overtrained and now it's like no injuries and performing, you know, at my best. What was that process like mentally to be able to dwindle it down like that? I know like you like talked a little bit about at the beginning, we come from wrestling backgrounds. There's always like that mentality, the more you do, the better off it is. And if you try to t- like twist it back a little bit because mm-hmm. you realize, okay, deep down, you know, I'm hurting myself. But like mentally, it's like I have to do more. I think like all those quotes out there where it's like beast mode and train harder and, uh, okay, well, your you know, competitor is training more than you, so you better not give up. I think that mentality is just way off the charts wrong. It's, you have to realize that that kind of mentality is not going to get you further. You're going to be injured, you know, and you're not going to have longevity in whatever sport you do. Uh, same with, like, conditioning coaches. It's like, okay, well, now you just got to keep on running to get faster at running. It's like, same with my events. I don't need to continue doing my events to get better at them. I need to train outside of them and train all the weaknesses and put my body in different variables to become better at those events. So I think like it was hard and you to not realize, all right, I'm training all the time. And I went from thinking I was the strongest, you know, at the previous gym to now I'm the weakest at his gym. And it's like, can't call myself strong woman. Like I'm, I can't even squat 185 pounds. And 
it took a long time to get my right muscles to fire. So even still struggle to this day, like getting certain things to work. But uh, I mean, it's just constantly something to work towards. What does the volume intensity change from when you're doing 30 hours a week to eight hours? Because those eight hours that you're hour and a half, you're in there very intense, or is it still like even twisting down the volume within that portion? I would say it's way more intense than before. I mean, I had no warm up with my previous, you know, training to now I have a 300 rep warm up and which are, you know, just kind of like focusing on weaknesses, getting ready for the core lift. And then my previous ac accessory work would be like, okay, well, here's two sets of 15 of maybe one or two exercises where now it's like a ton of volume at the end. So it's a lot more work in a short amount of time. And so then you're also increasing your conditioning um, at the same time of getting that done. Yeah, and so, you know, I think that what you mentioned earlier about the current state of work harder, train harder, you know, everyone's, your opponent's out there training harder than you. I think part of that that we need to fix is that rest is an important part of training. Exactly. And the biggest lesson I learned was, um, I mean, one, I pay Matt to tell me when to stop. And it's, my mind does not shut down uh, before my body does. So it's one of those things, it's like, he's like, it's not about how much you can do today, it's how much you can recover from. And then if you're overtraining and you're down for four days because you overtrain, what good are you? Your overall volume that month is what matters. So. And, and to pivot off that rest too, so you know, I think that diet is just as important as your rest when it comes to mm -hmm. competing at a high level. So did Matt do any, make any changes to your diet? Have you been researching Not at, at first all? he didn't because was, it was more of like, you can only attack a couple things at a time in each training phase. And the last eight months, he took over my food with, um, I mean, it's completely different than before. And it's just beef and rice. Just beef and rice, yeah. huh? Do you have like timed out? Like, is he have you eaten at certain times? Certain times, yep. yeah. Yeah. And what was it like before that? Were you just before eating it's you like, was healthier? you know, I tried getting like, probably do like six scoops of protein powder a day and, uh, my stomach was just miserable. So it was hard to even get 2,800 calories in a day. And now it's like my food's so clean that it's easy to consume like 5,500 calories. Mm -hmm. So never been a big fan of like focusing on the calorie intake as much mm -hmm. as it is, what are you taking in? Right, not quite on that Michael Phelps diet. Yeah. So it's like when <laughs> people are like, do, oh like my 10, gosh. 000? Right, but when they <laughs> freak out over the number, I'm like, please. I mean, one of your lunch or dinners, if you actually broke it down, could be half of what I take in, but it's like I eat five things every single day. Right. <laughs> so. And now are you focusing on training at this point in your life full time, or are you also juggling, the, juggling this with a job, or what does that look so like? So I am also a personal trainer here in Columbus, so I still work, and I still train, and I'm also a mom, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. going on. It's a, busy, it's a busy life, huh? Yeah, but I feel like if you just set up your life to keep it simple and everyone on the same page, communication's big, and teaching, I think the kids, like for me, we're all in this together. And I have to show them that you don't give up on your goals just because you're a mom. And so they take so much you know, pride and care into taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And my little, uh, my youngest daughter is wanting to know like how to, now make my meat and rice. The first time she forgot to add water to the rice pot, but um, she's got it under control now. <laughs> Learning part. Right, so. right. So I kind of want to pivot and talk about going into the competition. So 
the most recent one. I know you've competed in four previous competitions mm -hmm. before this, but were you at all nervous going into it? Did you know? Did your previous competitions weigh on your mind at all? Were you thinking like kind of what were you thinking going into the competition? Where was it at? It was in Norway, but I at this time like I don't know last probably like year year and a half I haven't been stressed at all going into a competition because um, it's for pro now I'm a pro it's just pro women so you pretty much know who you're up against so the fear of that is gone um, the events change every single competition so it's anyone's game so you can only focus on your training and everyone's training is different um, I don't follow a lot of competitors either because it, there's no reason to let that play in my mind of oh my gosh well they did this and I'm not there because I don't ever test my maxes during my training I let the competition decide where I'm at and I go into each competition with a different goal so it's not about being first for me at every show and then what were some of the um, the different workouts or exercises I don't know how you guys actually label them once in the competition are they called like different circuits or how do you how do you narrow that down and what were they that you went through in the competition so I take my events and I base on which ones need events. like focused on and then on my strongman training days I will train those but I've had a lot of fun um, we use the conjugate method in powerlifting so for my strength training days that's what I follow and after going through the internship with Matt Winning, I have learned how to conjugate my strongman events. So it's been really fun. I will only overhead press maybe once every three weeks, and where before I was overhead pressing, like I said, every single day, mm -hmm. getting ready for a show. And so the different uh, events were, we had Hercules Hold, the Viking Press, Power Stairs, Yoke Carry, um, stones in a truck pull. So I just had a lot of fun of like, how can I make this super difficult? All right, so I pulled a truck on gravel or wearing a uh, 100 pound weight vest during my training. So um, I was ready for anything that was, you know, gonna happen out there. So is the pull for distance or for time? Uh, it's 60 feet was, I think, 60 or 65 feet. And it was for time. Okay. So you wanna be as fast as possible right, so during like those moving burst. events, yep. Yep. And so it was fun training all the moving events and a lot of conditioning work this cycle. So the five movements that you just, or events that you just mentioned, are those ones that you actually participated in in the most recent competition? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And then, and then what, what did your um, different outcomes look like in each one of those, like in terms of time and weight? So I ended up having a personal record in every single event. And it's funny because like power stairs and stones, they were a series of implements that had to be like power stairs. Those three implements they had to get to the top in amount of time and uh, the stones was an eight stone series. Well, I don't have the space to train that way. So it was so amazing to see, even when I could only pick up one implement at a time, how it transferred over into a competition and still getting enough points to place pretty high in those events. And I don't want to like, I don't know if I'm going to bore anybody by getting super granular here, but in terms of like when you say stones, so like a lot of people have seen the competitions on TV where they have the different rises mm -hmm. up each tier. So that's probably what Stones is, right? Correct. So kind of like what you see outside of Target, those are things that we pick up. Those little, those little yeah. round balls. The... Yeah. <laughs> you ever get the urge when you're walking into Target? Yeah, you always want to be like, come on, I just want to like see if I can pick it up. Just let but... people know what you're working with a little bit. Just let them... I don't know if that one's um, concreted in or what, but I'd, I'd, I'd definitely want to see that. <laughs> what, are, what are power stairs? Are those, you find those in Target at any place? Or? No. Uh, thankfully, a guy in Columbus had made a pair uh, or a set of stairs for me to train on. So, um, 
it's funny because this training cycle, I had to go to like seven different gyms to train everything that I needed for the events for Norway. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I live in a you know city that has absolutely everything that I possibly need to get my hands on. So, um, it's I don't know. Next next competition will be out in California, and those are five different events too. So. And, and earlier you mentioned you were on track for your goals, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about what your goals are moving forward. I'm guessing you probably got a, uh, a good idea of what you want to do continuing forward. So, you know, maybe your goals for the next year and then the next five years. What does that look like? Oh, man. That's a tough question because, like, I haven't really thought that far ahead because I thought where I am now would take a lot longer, mm-hmm. um, especially business, family-wise, and personal. So. Right. Biggest thing I think for the next year to five years, up to words of ten, is to keep on doing what I'm doing and injury free. So, I think maintaining you know top five in the world uh, over the next ten years is really where my goal is at. And you mentioned there's different federations. Do they measure the rankings across all those federations, or kind of what does that uh, organizational structure look like? Well, there's no, they're not really ranked over all uh, federations. So. You just pretty much have to show up to whatever federation you want to go with and get as high as you can in each one. So. Mm-hmm. And are there just two main ones then, basically? Is that how that works? We have Strongman Corporation, there's United States Strongman, and then there's Giants Live. So Strongman Corporation is your way to get into Arnold, which get, obviously gives you a little bit more of a tier to get to. And I kind of feel like, well, it's always my goal to compete at Arnold, being my hometown. So. Um, I'd probably continue, obviously, always working towards qualifying there. Then United States Strongman, I just competed in that again after taking like four years off from that federation, and I qualified for the pro show that's happening in October. And then Giants Live, not a whole lot of money in that one, so it's kind of like the other two kind of trumpet, even though Giants Live allows all federations to come and compete at that um, location or competition. So where are the largest prize packages that you can win at? Right now, I mean, I would say it would be Arnold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so competing at the Arnold, I mean, you mentioned earlier that your first year at the Arnold, you know, you didn't do as well as you'd hoped. And I'm kind of curious, you know, with the Arnold coming up next year in March, and, mm-hmm. you know, how does the Arnold play into your thought process? And then number two, have you ever met Arnold, and what was that like? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think I'm just along for the journey for Arnold. I don't care where I place. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything, like, set in my head for that one. We don't know the events yet. I know who all is going to be there, but we're all one weight class. So, again, if I'm top five, I'll be happy. Um, Yes, I've met Arnold. Barcelona, Europe, seen him uh, out in Africa. He's been to every Arnold. And do your sponsors or anything pay you to fly to these different locations that you're competing at, or what do you really? No, it's all like out of my pocket. So you know, each one of us are responsible for our own, uh, I guess, expenses to get to each competition. So definitely have to pay to play. Huh? Where hey, the, Rogue, where are you guys at? <laughs> Rogue didn't want to sponsor a strong woman. Um, <laughs> they were full of CrossFitters, so I did reach out to that one okay. <laughs> um and then what is some of like not to stick on the prizes too much but like I mean, if you got to pay for this out of your pocket what are some of the prizes that people can walk away with at these different are they lucrative enough to or is it just straight 
going off passion to go to these places? You really have to go off passion, but I find my way of making money through Strong Women is by me being a personal trainer and how my journey, I involve everyone that's a part of my life with. Like, okay, you guys may not be able to do it yourselves, but they support me and I want to include them in the process and the journey. And so I think we all have our leverages and our um, platforms to be able to make money that way or, um, and it's not just about waiting for the sport to grow far enough to make it there. Um, I also started a foundation here in Columbus where I am training kids with autism. Um, and it's like, okay, that's another way of branching out and having a backup plan outside of just competing. And if people want to support that, where can they go? The M Foundation. So we have a Facebook and Instagram page for that. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. And we'll link that in the uh, show notes, guys. So if you guys want to support the M Foundation, make sure to check out the show notes. But, uh, Brooke, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you mentioned earlier we talked a little bit about your family and one of them kind of taking on, mm-hmm. you know, your daughter's taking on and wanting to cook and things like that. So, um, you know, how supportive have they been and have they taken on to your love of lifting and fitness as well? <laughs> Well, my family has been extremely supportive. My sister lives a couple doors down from me and is always getting the kids off to the bus or doctor's appointments for me. Uh, My mom's a couple miles down, and they have always shown up to every competition when they were local and or even a little bit out of the States. Um, Now a lot of my stuff is pretty far away, so they don't get to go as often. Um, Just keeping me on track and supporting and taking care of booking my flights and whatnot so I don't have to be stressed out during my training to handle that kind of stuff. So girls competed in their first competition. It was strong kids and there's a whole like way of training kids. You don't need to put them under extreme amount of weight. It's more about technique and so getting them ready for their competition last October, uh, you're looking at like 10 pound medicine ball. Okay, that's their stone. Uh, all right, you guys can carry 10-pound kettlebells, and that's your farmer's carry. So it's broken down to being very simple and teaching them just more than movement. And they ended up placing second and third place. So they're looking forward to that this year. In terms of what you talked about in the community, has like the influence of Westside Barbell here in Columbus been a factor in your training at all? Is that like a completely different form of training what they're doing over there. I know that that always gets mentioned a lot whenever somebody's talking about strength or anything here in Central Ohio. I went and checked that place out last, uh, it was like July 2016, so before I met Matt, and I knew it wasn't a fit for me. Um, But that is basically the method that we use outside Mm -hmm. of Ludus Magnus. When you say method, what what exactly? Just like training method in general? Conjugate method. So for our listeners out there who you know, maybe haven't found that motivation or people that want to train, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that out there that want to train or want to get stronger or just have a goal in mind for health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yourself have found a way to really maintain that discipline level and make sure that you're doing the things you need to do to get stronger. So what's your process look like for making sure you stay disciplined and, and how can people find a way to apply that to themselves? I think the biggest thing is you constantly have to have a goal to work towards. A lot of the people that I train are like, oh, well, let me lose 20 pounds for this wedding. Or I just want to get through that physical test for work. Or I just want to, you know, it's like they have just this like one goal in mind. And then what happens is once they reach it, then they end up reverting completely back to old behavior. You have to constantly, I think, have things set in stone, not only just, you know, two months out in front of you, 
but even 10 years out in front of you. Um, it's easy to just be like, well, the body does not want to do this work. And we're lazy, and it costs money to do this, so um, you have to have a reason why to keep on moving forward. And if there's other individuals listening that want to get involved in um, the Strong Woman or Strong Man competitions here in Central Ohio, where do you recommend that they turn to? Just reach out to you, reach out to Matt possibly, go to a certain gym? Yeah, I mean, definitely do your research. I mean, regardless if you're going after being a strong man or strong woman, just in strength in general. Like, I, that's majority of my clients are just for strength and weight loss. So it's do the research on who you're going with coach-wise, look at their education and their background, injury rate, what, they ha what is their experience? Uh, just because there's a lot of, I mean, like I said, my first coach was a pretender of a one, so, and I was injured pretty bad. So uh, it's making sure you protect your body and going with what you need for yourself. So checking out Lutus Magnus, uh, winningstrength.com, or my social media is on Instagram, Brooke Souza, so, yeah. Definitely. Well, everybody go check Brooke out. And Brooke, I think that's a good place to kind of pivot into our last question of the show. It's centered on the theme of conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. Mm -hmm. And before we tell you anything about what it means to Josh and I, what do you think of when you hear the phrase and how does it apply to your life? I feel like then you're actually living your life. I think if you're just comfortable, that means you're just living the nine to five life and head down and just making it through. You've got to live un uncomfortably. Well, that's a great answer, Brooke. And yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today. We had thank a lot you. of fun. So our listeners got a lot out of it as well. So thank you. Good. Thanks. And Conquerors, thanks for listening. That was Brooke Sousa, the strongest woman in the world. <laughs> and check out all of her links down below. If you guys enjoyed that episode, give us a like, share it with your friends. We'll talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital. Through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state, and for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. Our next sponsor you might be slightly familiar with. You may recall a previous Conquering Columbus episode we did, episode number 26. We interviewed Stuart Crane, who bootstrapped his healthware software business to an eventual $43 million exit in 2013. Well, he's back at it with a new startup called Voice Metrics, based here in Columbus, Ohio. Stuart's new company got going last fall, and they've landed a number of customers, including Crosschecks, which is one of Columbus's high-flying VC-backed companies. Voice Metrics is a voice application available for Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri that allows businesses to get their KPIs, metrics, and any business information just by asking. To give you an example of how this works, here's what it sounds like. Open Voice Metrics. Good morning, Robert. Our sales yesterday was $17,500, and we had 24 new signups. Website traffic is up 13%, and we are 82% to our monthly revenue goal. Have a great day. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. 
FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.